happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers and happy special day to all of our ladies. Now, I've never been a woman. I did dress up as one one Halloween, and it was not a pretty sight. And so my experience with women have, have, have been from, from an outsider looking in. And so I'm not going to presume today to, to preach a sermon uh, to women. So rather than preaching today, I, I'm just going to simply tell you a story. Um, not about a poor mountaineer named Jed who barely kept his family fed. Not, not that story. A lot of us have heard that story. A lot of you young people don't know what I'm talking about. And so, uh, but I'm going to tell you a story about two completely different women and how the interaction that they had with each other brought about God's will that um, is even affecting us today. So if you would, turn in your Bibles, on your iPhones, on your iPads, whatever you use to study the Word of God, to Ruth chapter 2. We're going to begin reading at verse number 1. And it says, There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Amalek. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. And she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then said Boaz to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Now, I really wouldn't know this, but I can just imagine that it is wonderful to be God's daughter. And the reason why I know it's special is because I have a daughter, and I have three granddaughters, and I want you to know they can get my very last dime. When my daughter says, uh, hey, Dad, or my granddaughter Hannah says, Pa, I love you. I just melt. And likewise, if you knew how much your heavenly father loved you, if you knew how much he preferred you, if you knew how much he loved to hear your voice, you would be amazed. And so when you are God's daughter and you cry out to him with zeal, you will get results. Because our earthly daughters get results. When my daughter Cecily was five, we were out in the middle of winter one day and she said, Daddy, Daddy, I'm cold. Well, of course, I took off my coat and gave it to her. One of my boys who were older, they were with us also, and they said, Dad, I'm cold too. And I said, shut up. <laughs> Toughen up. Be a man. Suck it up. But ladies, even though you are a daughter of God and you're special in His sight, you still have seasons in your life. And one of the problems that different seasons bring is that they bring changes. 
And you see, a change can be a problem if you are holding on to where you were and refusing to come in to where you are. Now, these two women in our text, they, they couldn't be any more different. They're from different cultures. They're from different countries and different religions. One of them is older. One of them is younger. They were completely different. Just like the women in this room today are completely different from one another. But you know, ladies, that's what makes it wonderful when someone falls in love with you because when someone really falls in love with you, you really have no competition because there is no one else like you. God only made one of you. And so God has caused the winds of life to bring a situation that brought these two women together. And Ruth the Moabitess ends up with Naomi, who is a Hebrew, and just happens to be Ruth's mother-in-law. And so our story happens behind the backdrop of, of men and love and families coming and living together. <laughs> when, uh, when Star and I were talking about getting married, I said, hey, baby. Try to get my low sexy voice, you know. Hey, baby, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. I'm not marrying your family. You're not marrying my family. It's just going to be you and me. That's a lie. That is a lie. When you marry someone, you get their mama, you get their grandma, you get their cousin. You even get the dog that doesn't like you. Whatever is going on with them is going on with you. So these two different families. Because of the interaction of the people involved in the family, they're knit together. But you see, the moment they get used to being together, then all of a sudden they are torn apart. Now we know death comes. And Naomi is getting older, and so she loses her husband, Elimelech. Now we understand that. As we get old, as we live life, that death comes. But then we never thought that she'd lose her husband and both of her sons. See, one loss you can kind of swallow. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll be all right, God. I, I can handle this. And we're still quoting Scripture. Though he slay me, yet shall I trust him. But then another loss, and we say, okay, Lord, now, now don't do anything else. This is my limit. And you said you're not going to put on me more than I can bear. But then you get another loss, and you say, okay, God, I am mad. This is more than I can stand. And so, in verse 20 of Ruth chapter 1, Naomi, whose name means pleasantness, because of what she's been through, changes her name to Mara, which means bitterness. Isn't it interesting how you can start off living life so optimistic? But then as you live life a little bit, life starts slapping you around. 
And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, you'll change your name and you'll go from being pleasant to being bitter. And you'll go from being open to being guarded where where you just don't trust anyone. Because once you've experienced hurt, you will close the door, you will shut the blinds, you will turn off the phone. And you'll be closed for business. And so in our story, Naomi, she is closed like the bank is on Sunday morning. She's bitter, she's mad, and she's a woman of God. All you pretty church ladies sitting out there today acting like you don't have a temper, I know the truth. I've talked to your kids. So Nomi is is bitter. And with that bitterness comes a misconception that because she has lost the life she had, now she has no life ahead of her. But you see, just because you've lost the life that you had, the life you were used to, the life you thought was so good, I want you to know God still has a plan for each and every remaining day of your life. Well, Naomi is hurt. She's seen pain. So now she does what all people do when, when, they, when they're really hurt or when they're really scared or when they're really upset. She flees to the familiar. And many times when you're stressed or traumatized, what do we do? Well, we want a Big Mac. Or we want mac and cheese. Or we want macaroni grill. We want something because we want something that is familiar and we want something that will make us feel comfortable. And so we're trying to find something that is solid to rest on. You know, I used to do an exercise. You can tell I don't do it now, but I used to do an exercise. And it was, it was lifting weights lying on this big rubber flexible ball. Now, it's one thing to try to, to lift weights lying on something sturdy and solid like a bench. But it's a whole other thing when you're trying to lie on this flexible moving ball. Everything starts shaking. You start waving like a flag in the wind. And you're like a plate full of jello. And working out on that ball almost killed me because I was in an unstable environment that I wasn't used to. Well, the purpose of this exercise, they tell me, is to strengthen my core. That's why you do this particular exercise. Well, did you know that God is a trainer? And he puts us in unstable environments from time to time to strengthen our core. And he will put you in an environment where the thing that you're resting on is shaken. Or that person you're resting on is shaken. Or that job that you're resting on is shaken. And he does it because he wants to strengthen your core. So God has decided to strengthen Naomi's core, and so he took away from her everything that was stable. And he put her in an unstable environment so that she could discover some things about herself. You see, because there are some women who make the mistake of defining themselves by who loves them. Not all women, but some women. 
What happens when two women casually meet? Well, after the hi, how are you, what do they say? Are you married? Can you imagine me going sitting down by a guy and say, hey, man, you married? <laughs> cool. Now, that might be a lot more common today than it used to be. Well, then the conversation goes to, how many children do you have? How old are they? And then you know what's going to happen next. Then the pictures are broken out. Everyone breaks out the pictures. I bet you every mother in this room today has a picture of her kids in her wallet or in her phone. And I know you do because one of the ways you define yourself as ladies is based on who loves you. And so God has removed Naomi's husband and her children from her, and now he says, who are you now? And see, ladies, if you don't learn how to answer that question, you will not age well. And worse than that, you will not stage well. See, because life is not just about ages. It's about stages that we go through. And so when you go to a different stage in your life, it's tough because if I'm not a mom, who am I? If I'm not a wife, who am I? If I don't have a boyfriend, who am I? If I don't have that great job, who am I? My hair doesn't look great, who am I? So you see, that's why God has to try to strengthen your core. And so Naomi has been stripped of all that. And in verse 21, she says, I went out full. Now, that doesn't mean that she's talking about money. She's not talking about money. She's talking about family. She says, I, she says, I went out full because a lot of people love me, but now I have come home again empty. And she's empty because she doesn't have the satisfaction of being loved. So because of this, she's mad, she's bitter, she's ready to leave everyone and everything. She says, I'm out of here, see you later. Because, ladies, when you shut a door, it is shut. Nail it closed. Perhaps you were once long-suffering, you were loving, you were patient, you were kind, but when you shut the door, they should hire you to work for the Bank of Oklahoma. Because when you shut the vault, baby, it is locked up, and no one is getting in. There is no negotiation, no negotiation, there is no mediation, and they only had the door shut. Listen, folks, there is nothing, nothing like an closed, angry woman. Just ask my brother-in-law, and he can, he can share with you. <laughs> that one even makes me laugh. But ladies, I want you to know, once you've been hurt, that's the greatest temptation you'll ever face. The greatest temptation you'll ever face is not lust, it's not gossip, it's not envy, it's not greed. 
The greatest temptation that you'll ever face is to close yourself off when you've been hurt. Now, you may walk around and you may smile and say, oh, good morning, how are you? But yet you'll be closed down. Gone fishing, still existing, but closed. Going to work every day, but closed. And you think to yourself, I don't want anyone, I don't need anyone, I'm good all by myself, I'll be my own date, I'll be my own valentine. Because you've been hurt. And so Naomi has gone through these changes. She's closed, closed. But in verse 16, you know, we find Ruth, uh, her daughter-in-law follows her saying, don't leave me. Don't make me leave you. Wherever I go, I'm, I, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Naomi says, no, girl, just go home. Go away. Leave me alone. But Ruth won't budge. She says, no, I'm going with you. I want to be with you. I am not going away. And you see, ladies, when destiny starts chasing you, it will not go away. It will knock and knock until it knocks down every wall and every barrier. You can padlock your heart. You can padlock your emotions. But when destiny is calling you, it will keep on knocking at your door. And it will knock down your pride. It will knock down your bitterness, your anger, your frustration. Because God is saying, I am not through with you yet. God wants you to know today that you are his daughter and he's not going to let you get cold and bitter and shut down and locked up. God is commanding you to open your heart today. God commands you to open up your spirit. God says, I command you to love again and live again and laugh again and breathe again and get your happiness back. I command you to wake up. That's what God is telling not only the women here today, but each and every person who's here today. That has shut down because of the hurts of this world. And so Ruth follows Naomi back to Bethlehem. And the thing they have in common is their shared pain. Now, you see, Ruth has, she has young pain. And that's not as bad as old pain because over time, old pain, well, it accumulates interest. It compounds sometimes daily. And it, it gets deeper and deeper, and it begins to take over everything. And so like I mentioned, Naomi is so bitter that she's even changed her name. Now, you know you're mad when you've changed your name. You meet someone, and they say, hi, what's your name? I'm hateful. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's going to be a tough conversation. Well, hello, hateful. I don't guess I need to ask how you are. So Ruth now is hurt, but she's not completely shut down. And she's following this woman who has caused, who, who has closed up her heart because, because Ruth is so impressed with Naomi's faith and her spirituality. And you see, Naomi doesn't know this, but Ruth is following Naomi to receive her mentorship. And Ruth doesn't know that her need will also be ministering to her mother-in-law. Have you ever gone to encourage someone, but yet they end up encouraging you? See, that's be you see, that's because there's, there's power that comes out of pain. 
And there is anointing that comes out of pain. I've never known anyone who had great anointing who had not endured great pain. And I want you to know the olive has to be pressed to get the oil out. The grape has to be pressed to get the wine out. And real anointing comes through the pressings of life. And I want to say to someone in this room, God is going to get glory out of your pain. He is not pressing you to kill you. He is not pressing you to hold you back. He is pressing you so that you can get a secretion of a fresh anointing that will begin to merge out of your spirit. And just when you thought you were through, God is going to press on you and the anointing of his life, his glory, his presence is going to flow out on your life. And your latter days are going to be your best days. But you see, you've got to be willing to go through the process. So you've got to stop singing the songs about the good old days. Because I want you to know our best days are ahead of us. And the reason is because you can't be in love with who you were, but still be true to who you are right now. So Ruth needs something that Naomi had, but she really doesn't appreciate anymore. And so Ruth follows Naomi back home. Well, now Ruth is in an unstable environment. She knows her people in Moab. She knows how to function in Moab. She's comfortable there. But isn't it interesting how God moves us out of our comfort zone? And how he moves us away from where we're secure and where we know everything's going to work out. Folks, when you're comfortable, you have to know God's not going to let you stay there. Because just as soon as you get good at something, God is not going to let you get comfortable. No. Because God leads his children. He's not running a nursery. He's not going to sit down and play with you in the sandbox. He's going to lead you into new territory because that is what produces faith and that's what produces prayer and that's what makes you seek him. When you're comfortable, you don't pray. You rely on your own strength. But God is going to put you in a place where you don't know where anything is and so you'll have to ask him for directions. And so Ruth is now in Bethlehem. She doesn't know where the grocery store is. She doesn't know where Starbucks is. She is totally at the mercy of God, and she is going through changes. See, folks, you can't have a new life and go through changes. You know, we always ask the Lord to, um, to make us over again, to take us new places, but then we say, don't change anything. You know, it's like sitting down, ladies, you sit down at the beauty shop, at the hair salon. You say, do my hair over again, but leave it the way it was. <laughs> Starla's come out of the hair salon, and she looked exactly the way she went in. I said, what'd they do? She says, I don't know, but it cost $185. <laughs> Not a happy moment in my life. You say, Lord, make me more loving. Give me more patience. Lord, use me. But then you say, don't take me through anything. Don't make me endure anything. Don't change anything. Leave me where I am. Folks, we've got to make up our mind. 
So she's out of her element. Ruth doesn't know what to do, so she has to rely on Naomi to survive in this new environment. And so if you're wanting to go to the next level in your life, whether it is professionally or spiritually, perhaps you need to find a mentor. Now, a mentor is someone who can relate to you where you are, but also who can relate to you where you're going. You see, because it's not enough to have people who relate to your problem, but don't relate to your promise. Because if all they do is relate to your problem, they're just going to wallow in the problem with you. So you need someone who can relate to where you're going so they can help introduce you to your new life. So all of a sudden, Ruth is out of her comfort zone and she needs a mentor. Now before you scoff at me, I want you to know Jesus had a mentor. He didn't just show up one day and say, hello, I'm Jesus, I'm here, let's start doing some miracles. No. John the Baptist who was the premier evangelist of his time, pointed Jesus out and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist introduced Jesus to his life of ministry. And a mentor will introduce you to your next level. Now, your next level may take you out of your natural element, but God wants to do a new thing in your life. God wants to stir you up. And if you have been closed down, and if you have a closed sign over your life and are just sitting in a rocking chair waiting on the next bus to take you up to heaven, God wants to kick that rocking chair out from under you and tell you to get up on your feet because you are not dead, you are alive, and God wants to do something powerful in your life. He is telling every one of us to get off the bench, get back in the game because God is not finished with us yet. But it takes change. Change. When I was a kid, I overheard my mom and my sister talking about my grandma one time. My sister Terry asked my mom, said, well, what's wrong with grandma? Mom said, well, grandma's going through the change. Now, I didn't really know what was wrong with my grandma, except she had become as mean as a rattlesnake. That's the only difference I could tell. And so I didn't know what that meant then, but I sure do now. No, 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 I'm not talking about my wife. Hey, you guys are going to get me in trouble. No, no, I'm talking about my mom. I'm talking about my mom. But I know that Changes can make you grumpy. They can take you out of your comfort zone. Uh, Your emotions go haywire because they really don't have anything solid to hang on to. And many times when changes come into your life, you become disgruntled or fragile or sensitive. And, and, And you cry and you really don't know what you're crying about. And we men ask what's wrong. You say, I don't know what's wrong. I'm just crying. I don't know what I'm crying for. I just don't. And we're sitting there saying, well, how are we supposed to know if you don't know? But ladies, I want you to know in full transparency that we men act like that also. Maybe not with the tears, but with the attitude swings because no one, no one likes change. 
And so both of these women were going through changes at the same time. <laughs> I'd hate to ride on a camel with them. That'd be a tough ride. And so Naomi had become Ruth's mentor into the next stage of her life because their relationship is based on their shared pain. But yet, you see, God has kept them in their stage of becoming who they are. And so Naomi says, well, since you came back home with me to Bethlehem, you're going to need a job. you got to find a job. And so Naomi introduces Ruth to a stranger that Ruth has never met. And Naomi teaches Ruth how to relate to this stranger. Because remember, she can relate to where Ruth is going. And the stranger's name is Boaz. See, folks, when you are brought into a new place, when God is wanting to do something new in your life, you will be introduced to a stranger. And if you can embrace the new you as opposed to the old you, God can do that fresh thing in your life. But you have to be able to accept the stranger rather than to hold on to the familiar. See, God will sometimes introduce you to a stranger, which is that new stage in your life. But until you embrace it and become comfortable with this strange new place in your life, you'll never be able to fulfill your prophecy or your purpose or your destiny that God is taking you to. It's on Ruth chapter 3, verse 3. Naomi says, therefore, wash your face. Put your makeup on. Put your best dress on because you're getting ready to go into something where you have never gone before. You cannot keep holding on to the past because you need to understand that by nature, women are nurturers. It is in them to make things grow. And ladies, God gave you the anatomy to nurture. He gave you all these wonderful tools to nurture and carry stuff, like hips. You may not like them, but they're a gift from God. He made you that way. My wife can carry our grandkids right here all day long, and she doesn't lift weights at all. Trying to give her a break, I'll say, here, give me the grandkid. I'll carry him. I mean, I last five minutes. The kid's so heavy, it almost kills me. Matter of fact, that's how my kids learn how to walk. I was carrying them for about five minutes. and said, hey, you got to get down. You got to walk, man. I, I, I just can't do it. You're just too heavy for this guy. And I convinced him they could walk. Keep up. Come on. Let's go. But not my little girl. I carried her. I tried to carry her when she was 10. She wouldn't have it. But see, biologically, I'm not built to carry a kid. When I put a kid up here, he just slides down. I'll do it for you guys. Slides down. And so I've got to hold the kid by my arms, and I get tired. But a woman puts that little rug rat right here in this curve 
and the kid wraps his legs around her and he just climbs up and he's like he's sitting on top of the world. And so he has a seat down here and he's got dinner up here. What kind of deal is that? I mean, I'm carrying one of my grandkids. They start biting on me. I say, dude, you're going to starve tonight. <laughs> but a woman is built to feed what she's carrying it while she is carrying it. And it's like women have this agreement, I carry it and I feed it so I can carry it some more. And if I keep feeding it and carrying it, it will get bigger. Okay, that's great with a kid, but I want you to understand that is the way your pain does also. Not only do you carry it, but you feed it by the things you say to it. You feed it the milk of your word and your pain grows because you are nurturing it. Now that's great with a kid, but it's really bad with a memory or a pain or a scar. Tell them I'll call them back in a minute. Because you have to understand, unforgiveness will also grow up on you. And unforgiveness will be big enough to go to college and yet still be sitting on your hip. You need to let it go. You've held it too long. It is stopping you from your future. So the, the older Naomi is teaching the younger Ruth. And so Ruth goes to where Boaz is sleeping. And as her mother-in-law instructed her, she quietly uncovers his feet and says to him, cover me with your covering because you are my family's redeemer. In other words, she says, I'm at the very bottom of, re, of, of discovering this new me. She says, I'm out of my element, but I need you to cover me until I feel like this new me is really me. See, until you settle in and embrace your future more than your past, you'll never be free from that thing that's holding you back. And so we've got to get this old junk off our hips so we can go into the newness of life that God has for us. And even though it feels funny entering feet first, we need to say, Lord, cover me with your covering while I'm getting used to this new place where you brought me. Now, many times when people think of Ruth coming into sleep with Boaz, many people think of intimacy. But no. Because what it's really about is ownership. It's about empowerment. You see, because before Boaz covered Ruth with his cloak, she was working over in the corner of the field, gleaning behind his reapers. But when Boaz covered her, when he agreed to be her redeemer, she went from working in the corner of the field to owning the whole field. And friend, likewise, God wants to give you the abundance of all of his promises, pressed down, shaken together, and running over abundance. And I want you to know someone in here today is getting ready to go from being the tail to being the head. 
God wants someone in here to go from last to being the first. God is talking to someone about a place of ownership and a place of power and a place of stepping into a new dimension of how you see yourself in Him. So the next morning when Boaz woke up to protect her reputation, he gave her six ephes of barley. Now, I don't know what an ephes is. Don't ask me. But I, I'm sure it's a lot. He gave her some barley because he didn't want anyone to know that a transition had happened. And what that means is that the transition occurred on the inside before it showed up to the outside. Because Ruth had moved from working the field to owning the field. You see, that's why you can't ask the world who you are. Because they don't know. And you have to know on the inside that you've gone through a change and that God is bringing you into a new level in your life. You see, because God takes people who are broken and messed up, and he will use them for his glory. No one talks about Michelangelo's paintbrush because it's not the tool, it's the master, it's the one who's using it. And God took these two broken people, and he's such a master that he can use a bitter, angry woman and a hurt, confused girl, and he can still use them for his glory. You see, when hurting people get together, even though their stories are different, if they will complete each other and not compete with each other, miracles will happen. You say, Mike, how do you know? Because for where two or three are gathered into my name, Jesus said, I am with them. And so these two women endured many changes in their life, and they walked the difficult path together. But you see, the thing about changes that I want you to get this morning is that even though you go through them, you're not supposed to stay in them. You're just passing through. You have to keep going no matter how you've been hurt, no matter how you've suffered. You've got to keep going. Even though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, when you walk through that valley with God, you don't have to fear evil. So you keep going, you keep going, you keep going because you are going to get through this. And the reason is because God is not finished with you yet. And so we go through changes, but the key is don't get stuck in the change. Now, the importance of this story is that Ruth has a king in her, and Naomi helps her realize her potential. Naomi helped Ruth grasp the greatness in her. Because Ruth and Boaz, well, they got married. They had a kid named Obed. Obed had a kid named Jesse. Jesse had a kid named David, who just happened to be the king of Israel. But most importantly, through the lineage of Boaz and Ruth, down through King David, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ came to us. God uses broken people through difficult 
situations to bring about your destiny and what he has for you. Ladies, on this your special day, even with your pain, your problems, the kids you can't control, maybe the husband that left you, the job that you lost, maybe even with a crisis going on in your family and, and that sister that's closer than anyone has, is on the other side. I want you to know on the other side of everything you're having to endure this, in this life, there is a king on the inside of you. That king may be a business. That king may be a ministry. That king may be a mission field. That king may be nurturing the precious gifts, your children that God gave you. But I guarantee you, you would not be under attack if there was not a king somewhere down inside of you. So the key is today, don't get stuck in your pain. Because God has a destiny for each and every one of you. And it will come to pass.